your Locked On Avalanche, your daily podcast on the Colorado Avalanche. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, welcome to the Locked On Avalanche Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Chris Maselli, with another episode of the podcast dedicated to your Colorado Avalanche. And we have hit that time of the season or off season where not a lot is going to be going on between now and training camps. We had a really good week with the expansion draft and then the prospect draft and then free agency. And now we hit kind of a dead area. You'll get some signings maybe here or there, some depth moves, which the Avalanche have done. Maybe there's a move or two out there, maybe in a trade, but it likely won't include the Avalanche. You, you might get something, you know, with Jack Eichel going somewhere, like maybe. Uh, but when it comes to the Avalanche, I think they're pretty much done. You might see, I think the only name out there for Avalanche fans to maybe have some interest over is Tomas Tartar. He seems to be the name that's left that has any relevance to the avalanche, but it's possible. And if they don't do it, you know, then, then like, like we've been saying, it's pretty much done with for the avalanche until training camp starts. So with that, we will, move down to three shows per week uh, for the month of August and then probably half of like September. So we'll be doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday shows. Uh, You can still catch me on the national show, which will be Thursday because that will still be five days a week. But in terms of the avalanche show, we'll be doing it uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And if anything major happens that just can't wait, I, I can throw a show in there. If it happens on a, you know, an according day, like a Monday uh, for a Tuesday show, I can do that if I want to. So it's, it's not just set in stone. If something major happens, then I'll record a, a special episode that just can't wait. If it's an off day, I'll do it. Uh, but for now, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So uh, with that, we will, uh, we'll kind of do some fun things in the off season. Like today, I figured we would, you know, definitely talk about Tyson Jost because we didn't get a chance to talk about that. I still have a few season grades to get to. We'll do uh, Val Nachuskin today. And then because I'm big into movies and television, stuff like that, uh, anything that I may have watched, I'll talk about it here. Why not? I've done that with Kyle in the past. We did a a separate podcast where we kind of combined hockey and kind of entertainment. Uh, and, and because he's off doing his wonderful, uh, Puckberg show, we don't have a lot of time to do that anymore. So, uh, I figured in the off season, why not do it? And today I figured why not talk about, there's a Woodstock 99 documentary that just came out on HBO max, which I have a lot of things to say about Woodstock in general. So we'll get to that a little bit later, but First things first, follow the show on social media outlets, LOPN underscore Avalanche on Twitter, Locked On Avalanche on Instagram. Send any questions, comments, concerns, opinions to LockedOnAvalanche at gmail.com. 
And like I said, thank you to the Twitter folk, or excuse me, yeah, the YouTube folk, because we now have our YouTube channel up and running. So just go to uh, YouTube and search for Locked on Avalanche and subscribe to that as well. So you get notified when all of these new shows go live. So we'll start with the Avalanche news, and that is Tyson Jost getting a two-year, $4 million deal. Uh, you don't have to be good at math to figure out that is $2 million average annual value. And that's obviously an increase from what he had last year, which was, I, I don't remember the exact amount, 800 something thousand dollars. He didn't, he didn't hit a million, uh, but now he gets bumped up to 2 million per year, AAV obviously. And it's a, it's a two year deal. So when this is over, he is still a restricted free agent with arbitration rights. So is this another, okay, you proved it to us once because we gave you a one-year deal uh, and you proved it and you, uh, you know, you, you forced, not, well, forced us is a, is a, a bad phrase, but uh, you, he, he caused the avalanche to protect him in the expansion draft and you are rewarded for it with a two-year deal. You still haven't, you know, gotten to that level of we are going to lock you up long-term. So because he's only 23 years old, the Avalanche throw out a two-year deal. When he's done with that, he's still a restricted free agent. And the Avs can see what the, after that. I mean, if you go one year, two year, you can't go a one year. Because, I mean, I don't know why he would agree to that. Uh, but you you kind of, I think, I feel like the Avalanche think they will have a much more of a firm grasp on Tyson Jost. After two years, he's continued to take steps and progress. And after another two years, will he will he be the player that he was this past year, or will he continue to amp it up a little bit more and a little bit more? If he does, then they sign him to who knows a, a three year deal. Maybe they go one, two, and then three. Uh, the way things are going with, with Joe Sackick and the Avalanche, they're hesitant to give guys outside of your Miko Rantanen's and Gabe Landeskog's and soon to be Nathan McKinnon's anything really long-term. And there's some reasons for that right now. Right now it's because there's a, a flat cap. You don't know where you're going to be in a couple years when the cap increases, which is not going to be much. It might be, I think it's going to be like a million dollars for when it does increase that's at least what I'm hearing it. So in a, in a sense, is that another flat cap? I mean, a million dollars is a million dollars. So you, you'll have a little bit more flexibility, but everything is lining up for the avalanche to make sure they are in position to give Nathan McKinnon a massive deal. Everything go look at their cap, uh, their cap friendly webpage, just capfriendly.com slash avalanche. Everything, with the exception of Landeskog, uh, Makar, the, the big names, Landeskog, Makar, Rantanen, Gerard. Here, I have it up here. Out, outside of those guys, we have, all right, uh, yeah, Rantanen, Landeskog, Makar, Gerard, Taves. That is it. After that, uh, excluding your, your uh, entry-level contract guys, 
you have nothing. So they are making sure when that season comes around two years from now, uh, the first thing, the first thing they take care of is Nathan McKinnon. And I would just absolutely find it hysterical if Nathan McKinnon, when he made that comment, I don't remember, it was what a year and a half ago now that he would take uh, less money again, uh, you know, to, to make sure the abs have some cap space. I would just absolutely, cause we're all just assuming and understandably so that Nathan McKinnon is going to cash in big time, 10, 11. I don't think they go 12, uh, but would it surprise me? No. Is he deserving of that? Sure. He will be in the 10 to $11 million range. And everybody assumes that, but how great would it be if Nathan McKinnon came out and said, I told you guys uh, I was going to take less and he signs something for like exactly the same amount of money, maybe bump him up to an even seven. So him and uh, Gabe Landeskog are on the same page on the same level. I don't see him doing that. And that's been, then, you know, that those comments, I don't think are going to come back to haunt him. I don't think Joe Sack is going to sit there and said, uh, 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 you said, uh, I think, I think, uh, they're both going to laugh at it and say, yeah, uh, ha 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 ha. Here's your contract for, uh, eight years, 11 per. So, but Nathan McKinnon is built kind of different. Would it surprise me if he did come out and say, no, sign me to the same thing and go sign some other guys so I can uh, win a Stanley Cup? That might be another big player is if he has won a Stanley Cup. If he hasn't won one and he likes it in Colorado, which he clearly seems to like it, love it here, uh, maybe he does say, keep my number low because I need to win a cup here. Uh, I think the percentages of that are like 1%. Uh, but if he does win one, he's like, all right, I still want to stay here, but now you got to pay me because I, I won you a cup uh, at a great rate. But we won one. So uh, now now I'm going to get a little bit selfish. But for Tyson Jost, I think it's a good deal. I think, you know, congratulations to him on getting a little bit of an increase. And now, now you have two more years to prove that you can get an increase after that so we shall see what the what tyson jost uh how he responds to getting another uh contract with the avalanche granted only two years but an increase for him nonetheless um all right what do we got we well we're gonna get to one of our sponsors for the day Oh, and I did throw out another poll question, which maybe I'll get to later if I have time um, about the Olympics, which is always it's always an interesting question about a uh, specific medal. But first, we are going to get to betonline.ag. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season, it's in full swing, and you can track all of the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news odds and info for all of your sporting needs, including baseball, basketball, hockey, and UFC MMA. Before the next pitch, head over to bet online on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the games. This teams prep for their runs to the playoffs, head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up. And when you do, you will receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. 
with the promo code locked on. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so we we got back into the season grades because we things were just it was really busy for the Avalanche, obviously, with the two drafts and free agency. So we kind of took a little bit of break from the season grades, and we continue on. A few more to go, and once again, we're doing these alphabetically. So Val Nachuskin is up for his season grade, and the votes are in. And we have 28% with an A, 57% with a B, 14% with a C, and 1% of the funny people with a D or an F. Um, And we do have a couple comments here. Rebecca, who always gets into these polls and always has really good things to say. Um, She said, especially in the playoffs, Nachuskin gave his heart and soul on every single shift. I felt bad for him when we were eliminated because he did everything in his power to win every game in that series. I feel like the rest of the team let him down. That's, I think, like a lost thing. Like whenever a, a team of the Avalanche caliber lose, everybody looks to the superstars, you know, Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen. And those are the guys that they always show first on, on screen when the clock strikes zero. You show the team that that won first and them celebrating. And then the first shot that cuts to the losing team is always the superstars. And I get that. Um, so it's, you know, you're, you're always thinking about those guys. And Nathan McKinnon and his comments afterwards, he's been in the league for so long and hasn't won. You know what? Um, you know, those are the headline comments. Um, and those are the headline moments when look at look at Connor McDavid uh but there's a roster full of guys on this team that are are trying just as hard to to win a championship and she makes a very good point here about how Nachuskin is is one of those guys does did the rest of the team let him down uh I mean I I would you could just say the whole team let everybody down you know I I don't think he's uh any less let down than anybody else on that team. But he, but you know, how she's phrasing that is true. You know, he, he plays. It's odd because he, I mean, he plays hard, obviously, but he just makes it look because he's so tall and lanky and his strides are so big. He just, it just seems a little bit effortless for him, but you can see it when, when he, he's on a four check, like he is, he just takes up so much space that you you almost feel like it's just so easy for him, but it's not like he is working his butt off. He really is. So I agree with that. He does. He gives his heart and soul on every single shift. That that's a, a I think that's just the way he plays. And Jordan is the other one, Avs fan 2909. He says he gives Nichuskin a B. He proved himself to be a good middle six forward and a solid 200 foot player. He does a lot of the little things so well that don't always get recognized. And I've been saying that about him for the entire season. He's not a stat sheet guy. He'll he'll get you those points. That overtime goal, like he'll do things like that. And he can barrel into you. And he, he, you you see plays like that. And you're like, man, like, why can't he do that all the time? Like, I'm, you know, he's 
he's built different. Like he's not going to to play that way all the time. Let me get my overlay up here. There you go. Um, because he he's out there to do different things. He's not going to take over the game. That's not what he's out there to do. He's you know he he's the a, a great defensive forward, and that's what they need him to. If he gets an opportunity, he's going to take it. And sometimes he takes those opportunities and he runs with them. But you're not going to look at a, a stat sheet and really get the whole story on on Valnichuskin and how Jordan says it. You know, he, he's a 200 foot player, and that is absolutely true. And he's a big guy; he's a big body. But you would like him to be a little bit more physical considering his size, but he's not that way. He's kind of like the, a, a gentle giant in a way. He's not going to back down like the, most of these avalanche players are not going to back down. Uh, but he is not like a bull in a China shop. Like, you know, uh, Kadri would be, but he, he is going to give you everything he's got. So for me, I would say, Mm, this this is one of those hovering on on B minus C pluses, but I, I I think I would have to go with a B for Nachuskin on the season. I think he's deserving of it, uh, you know. And he's another guy that we were kind of thrown around, hovering on is he going to be protected or not in the expansion draft. And as the year went on and things kind of unfolded, seemed like it was a no brainer that he was going to be a protected player and he was so he's got i think one more year left let me see for at two i know he's at 2.5 yeah he's got one more year left at 2.5 and then he is unrestricted and if he has another season like the last two that he's had with the avalanche he has reinvigorated his career he was left on the doorstep by dallas and they they didn't want anything to do with him they really did not give him a proper chance and the Avalanche said, we will. Let's see what you can do. Uh, and he has taken it and run with it. So, you know, if he can have a season similar to what he had last year, and you would have to think he might even improve on it. Now he's going into year three with the Avalanche. He is much more comfortable. So, you know, the wheels are off for him. And I think he's he he's not going to hold back or, or be bashful in – you know, when he's out there on a shift, he knows what's expected of him. And now he can do it more comfortably. He knows he has the backing of his coach and his players. So I think you're going to have a really good season and really improved season from the Chuskin next year. And then you're going to have teams calling. You really are. And, and do the avalanche. They're going to be in a tough spot next year with how much money they want to give out to players. Is he one of those guys? 2.5 right now. Where's he going to, he, if we're assuming he's going to have a pretty good season, he goes up from there. Do the avalanche want to throw out money? I think they will be okay with the money side, but a lot of the reasons why the average didn't sign guys like Grubauer and sod was term. So if he's going to want to stick around for five or six years, the avalanche aren't going to touch that. Can they give him another two or three year deal? I think the avalanche would uh, sign that now. So, yeah, I think a, a B is a good grade for Nachuskin and uh, kind of excited to see what he can do next year for the Avs. All right, um, let's hear from Built Bar, and then we'll get into some uh, Woodstock stuff. So Built Bar, it is the best tasting protein bar on the market, but you already know that. But did you know that Built Bar has many 
different delicious flavors, so much so that there is something for everybody. Everybody who likes Built Bar has their own favorite. So why don't you order them and find out which one is yours? Some of the flavors you can get are coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, salted caramel, cookies and cream. They do have some peanut butter ones, which you know are my favorites. So if you haven't tried them, you can get a mixed box where you can get two of each of the nine regular flavors. And not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they are healthy for you too. They have 17 to 18 grams of protein. Calories range from 130 to 180, only four to five grams of sugar and only four to five grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. And Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you get 15% off of your order. Once again, that promo code is LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right. <coughs> Excuse me. Like I said, uh, because it's the offseason, uh, we'll be going into different things and uh, why not the world of entertainment and any interesting movies or trailers. I love trailers. Um, and I'll throw one out to you right now. Well, if, if you haven't heard of the, the newest Nicolas Cage movie called Pig, uh, I would definitely push you to go watch that trailer. I haven't seen the movie is getting rave reviews. Um, and it's literally about Nicolas Cage, who is a former chef who is now living, uh, the minimalist life in the woods somewhere. And he has a truffle pig. I knew there were truffle dogs, but I didn't know there were truffle pigs and his truffle pig gets kidnapped and he's trying to find his truffle pig. It looks awesome. I love movies like that, but there's also another movie that's coming out called lamb. Just go watch that trailer. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if this is a new fad, if we're just going to start doing uh, movies based on animals. Uh, I don't know what's next. Maybe llama. But uh, there's if, if pig and lamb are not a double feature at a drive-in movie theater, we're doing something wrong. Uh, we need to open up a drive-in movie theater just to have those two as a double feature uh, and maybe just not show anything else ever because those two are made for each other. But go check those two trailers out. Those are really good. Um, but my wife and I, we watched the documentary for Woodstock 99. And for those of you, the younger uh, crowd listening to the show that maybe wasn't born for Woodstock 99, I, that was my senior year of high school. And I, growing up where I did in New York, I was about an hour away where they held that in Rome, New York. Um, and I was a little bit more towards Albany and I, I can't remember why I didn't go, but my brother went, my brother, who's a year and a half older than me. And he went with like two or three of his friends. Uh, so I had the opportunity to take it. I don't know why I, I can't remember that far back as to why I didn't go. Maybe I just knew what was going to happen or I thought I knew what was going to happen, but I don't think anybody expected to for it to go down the road that it actually went. And uh, if you have HBO Max, I, I would recommend it. It's one of the better music. Doc it's not my favorite music doc documentary. There's a music documentary out there called Muscle Shoals, which I, is probably the best music documentary I've ever seen. 
this is up there. It's part of uh, Bill Simmons who did the uh, the the HBO the, the ESPN Thirty for Thirty documentaries. He's doing this for HBO, and it's kind of in that realm. These this I mean, this was a two hour documentary, so it's not thirty minute thirty. Well, no, not all the 30 30s for 30 minutes, but um, it's, I think, like six different episodes, and each one is going to be something different about the music industry. So, this one was obviously Woodstock 99. And in talking to my brother, like, there were a lot of good things that happened at Woodstock 99. The documentary is going to focus in on the bad stuff. And, and that because that overrides anything good that happened at Woodstock 99. Woodstock 94 seemed like there was uh, much more of a calm. Well, I mean, there was the mud people and stuff there and they did have heavy bands, but they really amped it up at 99 with things with bands like Limp Bizkit and Korn. Uh, I know Metallica was there. You know, they had your Woodstocky type of bands with... Alanis Morissette was there. Dave Matthews band was there. So during the day it was, uh, music wise, what you wanted Woodstock to be, you know, it didn't take away from the heat. Um, it being at an old air force base, you are completely exposed to the sun, which that was the hottest weekend of the summer. Uh, water was difficult to come by. The Porta Johns were overflowed within hours. Um, it was overall a disaster. And then everything just culminated in, you know, the the youth, the frat boy mentality uh, just to set fire to everything um, and completely inappropriate behavior when it came to women. That is what the documentary focuses on. Uh, the The bands like Limp Bizkit who just did nothing to calm everybody down. Uh, why, why would they? And, and I think the, the document tries to place blame a lot on, or they don't try to place blame. They try to, they, they talk to people who want to place blame in different spots. They talk to the promoters who want to place the blame on the bands. And then the bands want to place blame on the promoters when in reality it's both their faults. You know, the promoters, it's their fault because what the heck are you expecting when you have something called Woodstock and you're booking bands like that, like like Limp Bizkit, Corn, even Rage Against Machine. And I'm a huge Rage Against Machine fan. Tom Morello is, in my opinion, the greatest guitarist out right now. Uh, but is that a Woodstock band? No, <laughs> you, they can go somewhere else. Um, even Metallica, even Megadeth was there. Not associated really with with Woodstock so promoters are at fault and then sure the bands are at fault for like guys like Durst for not wanting to calm the the crowd down so I it, it does a lot of trying to finger point and the, the the fingers are just going in all different directions when it's like everybody is at fault here including the crowd including the crowd um and because of that, there's been no Woodstockies since they tried to do one a couple years ago for a 50th anniversary and it fell through. Uh, it, it just, it has a bad name now. You know, the, the Woodstock brand is, you know, sullied for forever. And it's not because of, you know, what happened in 69, even though that didn't go off 
all that great. We want to look back on 1969 Woodstock and think that it was this momentous thing. And it was in terms of what it was trying to accomplish. But they had a lot of problems in 1969. I would say 1994 was probably the most well-run Woodstock. Uh, and in no doubt about it, that 99 is, is the worst. So if you kind of, if you, if you're a younger crowd, um, and you kind of want to see where things went wrong with the music industry, because it was, that was a time when, you know, the, the teeny boppers like your Britney Spears and in sync and Backstreet Boys were starting to take over. And, you know, the, the, the early 20 somethings were not happy about that. So the bands that they had to hang their hat on were bands like Limp Bizkit and Kid Rock, which were the complete opposite, angry at everything. And it culminated in hundreds of thousands of them getting together and setting a place on fire. It's pretty sad. It's, you know, because like I said, there were moments where it was what a Woodstock should be, but it was just poorly planned, (laughs) poorly run. Uh, Three total female acts, one for each day. And it's like, Oh, we'll just, you know, we do that just so we have our our quota uh, just to get one female act in there each day. It, It was, it, it was a greedy money grab and let's just get the big names of, you know, this era and just throw them out there. And we'll just slap Woodstock on it because we know that'll draw people. And it did. So uh, go check it out. It, it's on HBO Max. Uh, it's enjoyable. So uh, I'll get to my Olympic question for Wednesday because I do want to talk about that because I think that's a really uh, entertaining question. So I had people vote on it. You can't vote on it anymore. So you'll have to wait until the Wednesday show to find out what that is. So that will be it for today. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We'll be back on Wednesday. And follow me on Twitter and Instagram for anything that might be happening. And then uh, for Wednesday show, we'll talk about it. So that's going to be it. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Always appreciated. We'll see you on Wednesday. Here's Joby. Go, Abs, go.